So we're looking at Philippians 4, uh, and I think we haven't started Philippians 4, have we? We haven't this morning. Yeah, let's just start. Let's start with the beginning. Our memories are all short. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, Susan, would you please read verses 1 through 3? Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stay true to the Lord. I love you and long to see you, dear friends, for you are my joy and the crown I receive for my work. Now, I appeal to Eodia and Cynthia, please, because you belong to the Lord, settle your disagreement. And I ask you, my true partner, to help these two women, for they worked hard with me in telling others the good news. They worked along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers, whose names are written in the book of life. What strikes me about this verse, these verses is uh, the humanness. Mm-hmm. Um, Paul's a real person dealing with real people, and they have problems, like a lot of people do. And in fact, I couldn't help but think about Paul's little skirmish with... Um, Barnabas over John Mark. <laughs> yeah, the, the in, human nature really hasn't changed all that much over the centuries. No. I like his wording. He's very affectionate, very, you know, friend, um, brothers and sisters. And then he commends these women while he's mm-hmm. wanting to get yeah. to come together and be peaceable. Reminds them of all the they've done together in the past. Yeah, trying to like point back to like what's important. Mm-hmm. Important is really um, working together, loving each other. Like don't get caught up in petty things because that doesn't really matter. It, it really matters to uplift Christ and to live that out. Yeah. Anything else in this passage? It's a very short one. We can probably go on, but if there's something important that you see, I and I guess I also like it that it says at the very end of three, where it says whose names are written in the book of life. Yeah. He says that which with such confidence and and knowing that we mm-hmm. have salvation in Christ, even when we have this, these petty arguments. Hmm. He doesn't get all saying like, oh, well, because you're arguing, it does, okay, you're not saved anymore. Right. This is not a salvation issue. This is a this is an issue of like, let's just get along with each other and let's make it easier while we're living down here. But it doesn't mean you're not saved. Okay, Katrina, would you please read verses four through seven? Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything. But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is almost kind of a a catch-all 
thing. All the different th different aspects of our lives. This is a very positive book, and, and it's one of his most positive books. And yet, it was written by him in prison. And and I always think, what an amazing lesson that is. That in the worst of suffering, we we can rejoice in the Lord. You almost wonder though if he's writing to himself in a sense, trying to keep his spirits up. Right. But, you know, in, in that, I, I think of uh, when uh, he and, and Barnabas were imprisoned uh, and were, you know, singing, and then there was the earthquake, mm -hmm. and, uh, and that nobody left because of the fact that they were intrigued with, at least it's implied that the reason nobody left was because they were so intrigued with what, you know, the singing and the, everything mm -hmm. that they were doing. Mm -hmm. Is what what kept everyone else there, mm -hmm. um, and that it was that it's uh, that I see that as being part of you know this uh, when when Peter says well when people ask you about your faith you know be ready it, well that the implication there is that that people are actually going to ask you uh, that they will see something and want to know well, how is it you know why what what's going on. And that these I see as examples of situations where someone will come up to Paul and say, "How is it that you can be singing? You, you're, you know, imprisoned uh, and for for because people lied about what you were saying, you know, and and yet, you know, you're still praising God and 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 how is it that you can do that? And so I, I, I just see this as being the prequel to why people would. Or you know how people would notice that God having God in your life actually makes a difference. Mm -hmm. Imprisonment all along was always for the purpose of being a witness to Jesus Christ. That's why he he practically volunteered himself to be imprisoned, mm -hmm. and so you know this this was his purpose. So he was going to use every second of that dark time to praise God, to bring as many uh, of the Romans to God as he could. And so it's consistent with his mission. Mm -hmm. um, and it also makes me think of a, a story I, I read when I was young in Ellen White that was so helpful to me, uh, and you probably know it. Um, it's the one about the little birdie. Um, mm -hmm. The canary. And the, the canary. Ministry of Healing. <laughs> yes, the canary uh, learns to sing its beautiful song uh, in the dark, right? Mm -hmm. You have to cover the cage, uh, and the bird learns to sing in the darkness. Uh, and if it didn't go through that, it wouldn't have its beautiful song. And I always found that so encouraging to me as a young person that, you know, all of the trials, all of these things that just didn't make any sense to me, I thought, wow, if God is trying to bring something beautiful into my life and out of me, then I just have to submit to that darkness and, and learn to sing the the song, right, the tune in the dark times. And I think 
Paul is saying that to them, saying rejoice in the Lord always, no matter how difficult the circumstance is. You know, don't be anxious. Let your gentleness be evident to all. Like he's, he's hitting it from all angles, you know, explaining how to live the Christian life and to be joyful and, and glad even in the midst of suffering. It's a very hard lesson to learn. It's very hard. Yeah. I think our tendency as Christians, I'm speaking broadly across the Christian spectrum, our tendency is when things don't go our way is we whine. <laughs> we whine about them. And and Paul is not into whining. Uh, right. What I like is verse 5, let your gentleness show in your treatment of all people. The Lord is near. What do those two verses well, actually, it's the whole verse. What do those two things have to do with each other? Showing people your gentleness, and the Lord is near. Yeah, and Maya says, let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember the Lord is coming soon. I kind of like yours. What's your version? The Lord is near. Yeah. And the gentleness. I like those two words. Yeah. The near and the gentleness. Well, certainly, if you look at the way that Jesus dealt with with people, uh, just how the, the way he met needs and, and met people where they were, the, the the only people that he really you know got upset or was harsh with were the people who were uh, just so full of themselves that they uh, didn't think they had anything to to learn from him. They were uh, the abusers, <laughs> right? And uh, and so I, I in a, a sense that would be I see that as being um, that that when we treat each other the way Jesus did that in a, in a real sense Jesus is in that situation because we are acting on his behalf in that situation. Mm. Mm-hmm. Being as Jesus was. With people. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. In uh, Ephesians 4, verse 8, no, Ephesians 5, verse 8, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now ye, now are ye in the light, the Lord, walk as children of light. Mm -hmm. And um, I think our human condition is that. We focus so much on how difficult things are and how hard and stressful. Mm-hmm. And in terms of the psychological concepts of the world, whatever we focus on, and that's also biblical, that's how we're going to start feeling and being. So if we're always thinking about how our aches and our pains and our struggles and our bills, and, uh, we can just make this a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. And I think we really have to think about I'm not focusing on that. And certainly Satan wants us to focus on the negative and the difficulties and the sadness and so forth. And uh, one thing I've really enjoyed about the Facebook and other sites with this virus is that so many people are coming out in positives. And they're being positive and acting positive. Mm -hmm. I get the BBC World all the time and uh, all kinds of people are showing communities and neighborhoods uh, one community, they stepped outside their doorways, started sort of dancing and singing. Other people have joined them in their own yards, you know, and the whole area, they got music out. 
uh, and then kind of yell back and forth to each other. Um, we can certainly focus on our pain. We've got a lot of that. But I think psychologically and emotionally, it's going to affect our brain, our emotions, our physical and our spiritual if we just concentrate on how difficult it is. And well, I, and also, quiet. I can't remember the, the site right now, but she wasn't always focusing on the difficult. She was really focused on us um, keeping in the light. I mean, that's like exactly the next few verses is, is what he's talking about, like fixing your thoughts, like what you're saying. Right. What are you on? He right. does the word fixing your thoughts. Yeah, that's right. Like what is, and then he lists all that. Yeah, the, we need to remember that, you know, our, our thoughts are actually something separate from um, from who we are, you know, and we can choose which ones we choose we want to spend time dealing with and which ones we want to ignore. Um, and whatever it is that you tend to focus on, you're going to see more of, um, you know, you, you, you buy a... A, a Prius and suddenly everybody on the road is driving a Prius. You didn't notice them before, uh, you know, or, you know, whatever. And that's just the way the human mind works. And so if we choose to focus on the good things, you'll see more and more good things. Uh, and the, that just ends up being kind of a, a reinforcing uh, pattern. And one thing I was thinking of as far as when he tells us, you know, to rejoice and, and be thankful for everything um, that sometimes it's hard to, to, to do that because they go, why would I be thankful for this? Like what Katrina was saying about the Canary song. I was just thinking of, uh, something that for me has really helped to understand how we can do this. And I apologize if I've mentioned this in this venue before, but we have this, this tapestry of, a um, it's like a 17th century, 18th century pastoral scene of this. There's this kind of a French manor house back in the in the background, and there's this couple having a little picnic gun in, in this uh, thing. It's a it's a very pretty uh, tapestry from the front, but if you turn it around and you look at the back, it's a mess. I mean, there are, there is just this mad, uh, just all these little colored threads going everywhere. It looks like complete utter confusion. And and if all you saw was that, you'd say, you know, what was this person thinking that this is a complete disaster? And so I, I think of, you know, right now, we can only see the tapestry from the back. Mm -hmm. God can see the front of it and he can see where these threads are going and why this red thread needs to go here and why the yellow one needs to go there and, and whatever. We can't see that yet. At some point we will. But that right now, I just have to trust he knows what he's doing. And that, um, or like in, you know, in chess that, you know, you have to make moves ahead of time to get a piece over to where it needs to be at some point in the future to be able to, uh, to do what you want it to do. And, uh, so that some of these moves that don't make any sense are lateral moves or just getting me into position so that when the time comes, then I'm, I'm ready. Mm -hmm for whatever it is that God wants to use me for. And, and so in those situations, then I can just be thankful that God knows what he's doing, even if I don't. Thanks for saying that, David. That was really meaningful to me. I couldn't help but think of this week for me in all of this. Uh, I 
knew that God was going to supply my needs in the future mm-hmm. for where I'm going. But he started this week in amazing ways. The first one was Monday. I was planning to go shopping and grocery shopping. And I was just feeling very nervous about doing it because I got sick after handling a cart that was almost hot. That somebody had a fever and they were using it. And I was like, so how do I, I can put gloves on, but that isn't going to completely keep me from safe. I need, I need wipes. I need something like that. And then a friend of mine texted me that she was coming to my house with some things. That friend of mine is Katrina. (laughs) And I went out and found these things waiting for me and I noticed there were all things that are hard to get but one of them was a little canister of wipes and it came just in time that wasn't the end I think it was the next day or the next the person who takes care of my neighbor's yard showed up and I had asked him to mow my lawn and um He said he would, but this was weeks and weeks ago, and so I wasn't sure he'd remember. And so, and I I really didn't want to have to spend the money to have him do it. And um, so I said, Lord, if you want me to have him mow my lawn, please help him to come to the door, you know, to remember, you know, what we talked about. And instead, the phone rang. It was my neighbor saying, Gene, I asked Matt, Matthew is his name, I asked Matthew to mow your lawn, uh, and it's on me. Oh, wow. Nice. So he mowed my front lawn and my side yard. He, he weed ate. That was easier to do. But that was my backyard, and I was like, so what am I to do about my backyard, Lord? And then I heard somebody weed eating, and I thought it was my neighbor across from me, but when I went into the dining room, the weed eating got louder, and it was my former neighbor whose ex-wife still lives there. He was weed-eating in her yard. And so I thought, well, that's good. He's going to weed-eat that yard. Um, and then I looked at my yard and realized he was weed-eating mine as well. Oh. <laughs> and um, it was just these little things that you take for granted, you know, that that God supplies your needs, and I didn't have to pay for any of it. Then, um, the other night, I have a very sick, dying cat. I don't know how old he is. I think he's just old, and is giving up the struggle of living. But one of the things he will eat is um, Fancy Feast, which is your most expensive cat food. <laughs> and um, I was buying him this pate chicken fancy feast. And I I noticed he was having struggle to eat because of his head being down like this. And so I, I put a box. I, I went to find a box that would be just right to lift his head up. Because cats need that when they get older. They can't They can't swallow as well. And so... I found this box underneath my desk in my dining room and I went to pull it out thinking it would be light and it was heavy and underneath was a whole bunch of 
fancy feast that somebody had given me months and months, of, maybe a year or two ago. And I had left it there, saving it, I guess, for a special time, and then totally forgot I had it. I just started to feel God smiling, like, <laughs> see? <laughs> so, I I just feel that God, I, that one of the things we don't take for granted, we talk about ourselves being happy and joyful and in all kinds of circumstances, we don't think about what God is going to do to just bolster that. And if we if we can be open to looking for those things. Well, back to what I asked the question, what does this have to do with the Lord being near? Um, I think Paul's concern is the same as Jesus when he told the parable of the servants whose master went away on a journey and left them to take care of the household. And he said, don't be like people when their master leaves them, they start hitting each other and and bad-mouthing each other and mistreating <laughs> mistreating one another because when the servant when the master comes back you know it's not going to be good for them so i think that this let your gentleness show and your treatment of all people the lord is near really does go together because when in the delay of jesus coming our tendency is to turn on one another and start finding fault with one another and criticizing one another. And Unfortunately, our church has fallen into that a lot. I'm not talking about PUC church well, as much, but the whole That's what's happening in verses 2 and 3. Yeah. That, that's what's happening. And so, so he's just reminding the Lord is near, like you said. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's our tendency as humans and our condition to not take responsibility and look into ourselves. So we always blame and point fingers at everybody. It's such a standard way of operating. And when you look at what's going on in the news about blaming the governors, blaming the politicians, blaming the presidents, blaming the Congress, it's all their fault that we have this virus and it's all taken care of. I mean, it's or it's, the, it's all the Chinese fault. Or the Chinese or somebody, so it's just, uh, which is really nice. I don't have to watch television now. <laughs> the news is just so repetitive. It's just, but uh, certainly the world is uh, groaning under the weight of sin. And it's very evident now. Hopefully the Lord will use this to bring people closer to him. I'm sure the Holy Spirit is all over the world, which is amazing when you think about it. It's a little maybe off the subject, but I was thinking about how many angels there must be if you figure everybody has an angel, good and bad, and everybody has Holy Spirit all around the world. Uh, we have really an infinite, almighty creator. Mm-hmm. That's why we don't need to be anxious about anything. That's right. But bring up all of your requests to God in prayer and petitions. That's right. Along with giving thanks, and that reminds me... This week, I had a class, uh, God and Human Suffering, and the topic was when God is silent, and the presenters presented it really quite negatively, where God is silent because you're not doing this, or God is silent because uh, of your problem than this, and, and on and on. And I was beginning to wonder how to bring something positive into the picture without 
disrupting the flow of the students talking and everything. And uh, towards the end of it, I felt impressed to use the statement in Steps to Christ. I'm gonna I'm gonna look it up here. I almost think it would be easier just to grab the book Steps to Christ, but anyway, so where she says, "Keep your wants, your desires, your fears before God. You cannot worry Him. You cannot." And I can't remember exactly the wording there, but she she basically the whole paragraph is just positive, just like this par- paragraph in Paul, uh, and it's an expansion really on what Paul is saying here. I I read it to the students, and I could tell when they got through, they were like, thank you, Dr. Shelton, thank you. Uh, It it made them feel so uplifted. And to me, I think we don't take that, I don't think we believe it to the fullest extent that we could. At least maybe I'm speaking to myself. We're so taught by the churches, not just our church, but the churches, that God functions like humans. Humans, you do something wrong, I have to punish you. There has to be a, a reaction to that. And God is not the punisher. He's not the one that's evil. He's not lying. He's not deceptive. Mm-hmm. And if we think God is functioning like humans function, so many people are just walking away. Yeah. I found it. Do you want me to read it to you? Sure. Keep your wants, your joys, your sorrows, your cares, and your fears before God. You cannot burden him. You cannot weary him. He who numbers the hairs of your head is not indifferent to the wants of his children. The Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. His heart of love is touched by our sorrows and even by the utterances of them. Take to him everything that perplexes the mind. Nothing is too great for him to bear, for he holds up worlds. He rules over all the affairs of the universe. Nothing that in any way concerns our peace is too small for him to notice. There is no chapter in our experience too dark for him to read. There is no perplexity too difficult for him to unravel. No calamity can befall the least of his children. No anxiety harass the soul. No joy, cheer, no sincere prayer escape the lips of which our Heavenly Father is unobservant, or in which he takes no immediate interest. He healeth the broken in heart, and bindeth up their wounds. The relations between God and each soul are as distinct and full as though there were not another soul upon the earth to share his watch care not another soul for whom he gave his beloved son. What page was that? 100. 100? Mm-hmm. When you think about it, God knows everything. So he already knows our problems, what we're coming to, what's going to happen. He's infinite. He lives outside of our finite space and time. So he knows this already. So it's not that we are praying to it or remind him. Is praying for us to strength in our faith and our confidence in Him. Yeah. He already knows. Yes. So we're just strengthening our, our faith in Him and our concept and our communication, you know, our friendship with Him. And uh, that's extremely important for us to pray and, and gather to Him. Yeah. I, I think it's in that context that Paul then can say, 
then the peace of God that exceeds all understanding will keep your hearts and mind mind safe in Christ Jesus. Uh, and I, I've experienced that peace so much uh, through my journey this this particular quarter. I mean, I'm losing one of my best friends next door. She's moving to Tennessee. I have a cat that's dying. I have um, a mother who's who's progressing toward dying. And I'm not going to have my job next year. I'm, I'm going to have part-time, but I'm not going to have my job. So all these things like careening into me at once I should be just a, a mess but I'm not I'm, I'm at peace and I have peace about everything because basically of what she says in that statement I know that God is with me and I know he's leading me I know that he has a plan and that all of this is time for a purpose which I'll say more about that you know later if, if things develop but um that, Who's your best friend, Jane, that's leaving? She's my neighbor, uh, Gwen Spuler. She's been retired for years. She used to work in the records office with me. Uh, and then we became neighbors. And I'm used to going over to her house. Uh, kind of, I'm, I'm the spontaneous type. She's not. <laughs> so I go over to her house and I visit with her. And, and it's a nice break and, you know, all of that. So she's leaving. But she needs to because she's eighty, about eighty-five, and she needs a family to take care of her. She's all alone, so she's going to live with her niece, nephew-in-law. You know, one thing I wanted to say about the Book of Philippians—I don't know if you've—I need to go look it up if you are interested. But this last week, I was um, listening to the book um, because I was just reading about how the letters were written to be oral, to be spoken. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. we... They were we can, read orally, yeah. Right. And so the whole thing of listening to it, we process it different than reading or reading mm-hmm. along. And um, and there's this, uh, this pastor, I need to look up his name. He's on YouTube that has how he memorized the whole book of Philippians. I don't know if you have heard that or seen yeah. that. And it was really amazing to listen to it that way. Like, you know, like, and of course, you know, he's kind of dressed no, like in Bible times. And that, that would be even more interesting than someone reading it. Because when you memorize something, you internalize right. it. It becomes part of you. Yeah. So, so you're hearing really much more than just reading it. Right. And, and I also was noticing that when I listened to it, because when we read, we're more analytical, I think, how we, mm-hmm. we, we mm-hmm. stop, like, what's this mean? And we kind of, like, analyze it all, and we're not taking it in how it was meant to be heard. And I was noticing that when I was hearing the book being read or memorized, that I would just catch on to, like, main phrases. And, that, and so more catching the, like, what he wanted to say mm-hmm. and, like, the main point. Instead of instead of trying to find little things that people end up arguing theologically about, that wasn't the point. Mm-hmm, <laughs> the mm-hmm. point was, let's be gentle with each other here. And the <laughs> point is, let's not worry. God takes care of things. And those things, when we listen to it, like, that's what stays inside for me, mm-hmm. is, is like the main points. And so, I don't know, I was just really blessed by that. 
the primary uh, vehicle for the word is that it's to be heard. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Heard. We won't. I'm not saying we're not supposed to read it, but it's supposed to be heard. Right. You know. Yeah, because everything was oral back then. Yes. And so we kind of get caught up, I think, in arguing about little things that weren't supposed to meant to be argued about because that wasn't the point anyway. Isn't isn't, to hear the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't hearing and understanding right brain and visual and analytical left brain? It's possible. I'm just wondering if that isn't the case. I'm, That's very possible. I, I, I think you're right. I don't remember uh, right off, but yes, it certainly, uh, certainly, um, well, the oral too. pathways and visual pathways, uh, they're different parts of the brain. Uh, so, I yeah. so want- doing both, you're involving your whole brain yeah. more effectively. Yeah. I just wanted to find the guy's name if you were interested in looking it on YouTube. Um, his name is John Brunt. John Brunt? Our John Brunt? He memorized the book, and he's on YouTube. The one from Walla Walla? Yeah, he's not. Yeah, he used to be at uh, Asher Hills. Yeah, yeah. So he's the one that memorized it, and if you want to look it up on YouTube, it's really okay. good. Oh, yeah. I would love to hear that. Wow. I'm enjoying his book. It's called Enjoying the Bible, Finding the yeah. Light in the Word. Yeah, that's his book on hermeneutics. It's, I understand it's quite good, which it would be. I mean, John Brunt is a real thinker, and, and he thinks out. I think he thinks experientially more. Yeah. So I can't find exactly, but I'm sure if you just put his name in the book, Philippians will come up if you wanted to see yeah. his old presentation. Sure. Yeah. That's great. Thank you, Susan. I was hoping that we could at least end with the verse 8 and 9. If we can end on that part. Okay. Uh, David, I want to end with fixing our thoughts. <laughs> David, would you read that, please? 8 and 9. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise Keep putting into practice all you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. I don't know if we can even say anything that would top that. Yeah, just keep bringing in the good stuff to dilute out the bad. Yeah. How many times does it take to offset the bad? It's like a thousand times or is it more? (laughs) (laughs) It depends. Yeah. Uh, on the thing, but as far as just in the principles of diluting things, actually uh, three full dilutions is, is enough to essentially get rid of. Oh, uh, that's good to know. So it probably has to do with how much you've internalized the bad, how how much it has taken root in you mm-hmm. as to how many times you need the positive to... But we can always use more positive. Right. Yes. Can't do too much of that. Nope. Right. I always think that it has to do, like you said, how much, how rooted it is, how much of a habit it is mm-hmm. to lean toward the the bad or the negative versus the the good or the positive. Because the more we practice the good and the positive and fixing our eyes on on that and on Christ, 
it is easier to go mm -hmm. through the hard times like we're going through now. Mm -hmm. I think these kind of hard times kind of just really bring out what we're, what our habits already are. It's not that we become something different. It just, it, it comes just out more. It's there. It reveals, exactly. Yeah.